Welcome back to The Protectors, our second attempt at this interview. Everybody, Jason was patient enough to come back on with me. Last time, there was a lot of construction going on, and it just turned out really bad on my half. Jason, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thanks for having me a second time. <laughs> of course, man. So today, we're going to talk about Enemies of My Country by Jason Casper. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about Jason Casper. Who is this illustrious hero that has been lurking in the shadows? <laughs> who's now a fiction thriller writer uh, among one of the best. At least you better be after I read this book, brother. I'm just kidding. Jason, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to tell me after you finish the book how I rank, because I've seen your bookshelf, and uh, it's a lot bigger than mine is. Um, you know, man, I'm just, I'm just happy to have really cool people, um, especially with cool backstories like yourself, now, Ranger, like a 75th Ranger type, goes on to West Point, Green Beret captain. One thing I wanted to touch on today was, you know, this transition from going from, you know, the 75th to West Point. I, I want to talk about the cadet experience, man. That's one thing I was I was thinking about since our last experience, our last chat. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty awful. It's definitely a poor decision on my part, and. Uh... To the credit of my entire chain of command, all the officers I worked for were like, look, man, you want to be an officer? Like, we'll send you to ROTC. Like, don't do West Point. It can be miserable. And I was like, I got this, man. I'm going. Uh, and I've had a lot of time to think about how bad of a decision that was uh, after being in Ranger Regiment. Uh, the only thing I've come up with is they told me I couldn't go. You know, they shot me down out of high school and then mm -hmm. uh, turned down my next application. So, yeah, I, I guess... Uh, you know, they say if, you, if you're going to be stupid, you better be tough. And uh, apparently I was pretty tough to get through it. Well, the thing about West Point, too, is like I had, a, I had a few friends go through it. I ended up doing enlisted and going ROTC. And I think the reason I did that was because I had that firsthand experience of like, you know, understanding what active duty was like and then understanding what the true West Point was like. And then trying yeah. to, I can't imagine going from like, you know, specialist piccolo, you know, kind of being part of that E4 mafia going up back over to, uh, trying to deal with West Point after having that experience, man. Yeah, however bad you imagine it was. Uh, yeah, it's that or worse, I assure you. What year did you go through West Point? I was there 04 to 08. Did you already have a combat deployment before that, too? Yeah, I had uh, one to Afghanistan and then the invasion of Iraq in 03. So I can imagine, like, you probably knew a lot more than some of the tacks that were out there as well. Yeah, I think I was with the uh, the first big wave of combat vets that came through uh, as prior service cadets. So, yeah, there wasn't a lot of uh, combat experience among the officers at the time. Yeah, when I went to IOBC, too, I went in June. So I missed the wave of West Point cadets. It was just we were all ROTC and some uh, New Mexico Military Institute types. But, yeah, man, IOBC must have been different, too. Cause did you go through with a lot of your classmates? Yeah, yeah, I did. I can imagine that uh, that was an, another interesting experience going from the the enlisted 75th ranks infantry to IOBC, which for ever, the listeners out there who aren't familiar with IOBC, that's Infantry Officer Basic Course. And that's kind of, you know, the next transition when you become an infantry officer. You have to go through there and then you get onto your, your follow-on unit. What was your first follow-on unit after OBC? 
Fourth Brigade, eighty second. Oh, okay, that's a good one. Yeah, that was great. Got in there, yeah. And how long did you do before you went to uh, the Q course? Uh, I was the eighty second for about three years. I did oh. uh, a one year rotation in Afghanistan as an infantry uh, platoon leader, and then did my uh, executive officer time in garrison. And then I was off on like the second special forces selection class that my year group qualified for. So got in pretty early. What was it like being a Green Beret, man? As a Green Beret <sighs> officer now, you know, coming from, you know, you're already soft with the enlisted time, but now you're off into the Green Beret land, which is, I can imagine, completely different than being in the regiment. Yeah, yeah, it was a dream come true. I'd always been a huge fan of SF and just even seeing them in my previous deployments, watching them operate. Um, I, I loved everything about SF, and that was probably the best personality fit um, for me uh, in terms of their organization. I just, I love the autonomy. I love the small team structure and, uh, you know, just being shot out of a cannon into whatever part of the world to go do work is, it was tremendous. Now, what kind of um, ODA were you in? I was on a mountain team. Um, and at the time, it didn't count for a lot at third group here at Bragg. You know, they were like, yeah, we, we don't need you guys to uh, be climbing too many mountains, like do your basic certifications and then shoot, move, communicate, go to Afghanistan. So, What is that officer pipeline like? I always wanted to know that because, like, you know, you, you know the enlisted pipeline. You know you're going to go through, like, you know, engineered dock or something like mm -hmm. that. The officer pipeline, what is that like? So the Q course is structured the same for everybody. So, you know, we started with language and then there was the small unit tech. It's basically ranger school. Everybody goes through together. Um, and then uh, there's the survival, evasion, resistance, escape school. And then when all the other job uh, specialties, right, the, the medic, weapon sergeant, communication sergeants split off into their occupational training, uh, the officers have their own uh, segment called the alpha course where it's a lot of focus on mission planning, and then you actually go do field exercises in the ODA structure uh, with a lot of focus on, you know, autonomous operation um, and doing, you know, low visibility stuff, wide profile of, of uh, training scenarios where everybody rotates through the different uh, different job specialties in the training ODA. Now, do you do is Robin Sage before or after that? It's after, so everybody kind of comes together out of their job training. So when you go to Robin Sage, which is the final culmination exercise, like hundreds of role players that takes place all across North Carolina, uh, which is a great time. Everybody's fully trained, and then the cadre is, you know, basically putting everybody in scenarios that test everything they've learned across the Q course. That's awesome, man. I uh, I really envy you. You know, I'm a wannabe, uh, but instead of going back active duty when I commissioned, I ended up going to Border Patrol and then a special agent later on. I'd just been an LEO ever since. But I always wonder what it would have been like if I went back active duty and if I wouldn't have went down that same pipeline. Because I commissioned 99, and when I was at OBC, it was actually – we were going through uh, Mount right when September 11th happened, so literally yeah. that morning. So everybody in my – you know, IOBC, you know – none of us had combat experience and then right. all of a sudden bam we're, we're a nation at war so you can imagine almost all my classmates might have went on to uh get deployed somewhere i'd imagine yeah yeah definitely so you get out what was that transition like getting out of like you know you're like most of your life has been dedicated at this point to you know the war warriors and everything else along that way uh, the timing kind of worked out for me because, you know, on the officer side, once you're done with your special forces uh, detachment time uh, to be a team member, you know, you kind of go on the, 
the staff and command rotation, right. And get on that pipeline to climb the ranks, but you're not really going on a mission anymore. Uh, and all I, you know, all I wanted to do is be with the guys, be on a team, uh, you know, and I, I stayed in as long as I could do that. And then when that time was up, I uh, dove into writing full time. So it, you know, it was, it's not the easiest transition, just leaving that community in general, but, uh, it was, it was aided by the fact that if world war three broke out, I'd be, you know, making PowerPoints in a staff shop somewhere. Exactly. PowerPoint commando, man. Uh, yeah. Believe me. I know what that's like. I was staffed when I was attached to CJ, CJ sort of. So, uh, I became a master at PowerPoint and yeah. making coffee. Lots of coffee. Uh, yeah. I've been lots there. And lots of coffee, man. Yeah. So let's talk about writing. Is this something like, have you, always dabbled into the fiction world or nonfiction. Why did you get into, I mean, you have a bona fide book here, brother. It's like, you know, and I, I love, I always have authors on, I get up like that hardcover book, man. This is like the real deal, you know? Let's yeah. I kind of writing career, man. Yeah. I never wanted to be a writer. It was never a huge, uh, you know, fiction reader. I did some, went through some Tom Clancy in high school, um, along with most men of my generation. Yeah. After that, I kind of, um, ended up getting into it when I was actually at West Point going crazy, uh, started writing a little bit, got into fiction and then kind of got really into it. Cause, uh, you know, if you're not able to get adrenaline rushes from, you know, combat or skydiving or anything else, um, you know, sitting in a cadet room, like writing fiction for me turned out to be like a really good outlet to, uh, you know, begin writing thrillers and writing action set pieces and gunfights and everything. And I really kind of got a, a, a jolt out of it. So I enjoyed it, got kind of strung out on writing, and then was a closet writer for about 10 years before I got out of the military. Uh, and by that time, I had, you know, my first book pretty much ready to go. And, uh, yeah, fired it off and been at it ever since, a little over four years now. That's awesome, man. What You know, how do you map out your books? Like, you know, I talk to a lot of different authors, and a lot of them are like, you know, I put sticky notes here, I do this, I do that. Um there's tons of different programs. Are you like a pen and paper guy? Are you a Microsoft Word guy? How do you map these things out? Uh, I'm totally analog. I do like color coded note cards and break down the story into, you know, the major turning points, what's the story climax, what's the inciting incident. Uh, and I like to map everything out on note cards with the building blocks of any story structure. Uh, and then I, I go from there and then turn it into a like a written outline. It's generally about 10 pages or so. And at some point in that process, sometimes I spend a long time doing it and get really detailed. Sometimes it's very general, but at some point there's just that, um, you kind of hit that saturation point where you're like, I've got it. I've got enough to go off. I can take this and run with it. And then I just start writing the manuscript and uh, stay with it until it's done. What's it like getting into your character's head? I ask everybody that. Cause I'm like, you know, does a, do you use your own background or do you use like a lot of people are saying like, I stood in a room with a lot of heroes. And, you know, I'm sure throughout your career, whether that's 75th, SOF, IOBC, or anywhere, you run into some, like, true outstanding heroes. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I don't base any of my characters off actual people, generally. But, yeah, I think, you know, once you get enough experience, I don't care if you're law enforcement, military, special operations, conventional, um, you know, you it's all kind of that same personality, right? All these sheepdog personalities, Um so, you, you know, you end up talking to these guys, hanging out socially, drinking with them, hearing war stories, you know, and then being in the military, like seeing how, you know, people react uh, during gunfights, how, you know, when, when a mission turns south on a dime, um, kind of how everybody scrambles. And I, I think 
for me, that's been the most valuable experience and not taking any actual experiences or any actual, uh, you know, people in my work, but you kind of know how these people would talk. So then when you start crafting out a story scenario of, you know, this team is going to be in this country trying to do X um, and then Y happens instead, there's, there's just a point where, you, you know, for me, it's like, I can hear them talking. I literally like hear conversations in my head and that's just cause you know, your planning has developed enough for the, the outline and then your subconscious kind of chewed on it enough that like they kind of just spring to life. And there's, you know, in the best of times, it's like you're writing down what happens as you see it. And that's how it works for me. Is it almost like a movie in your head and you're like, hey, you know, I better get this on paper? Yeah, I do it all. I see everything visually as I'm writing it. Um, and for me, that's great because I don't I don't need a CGI budget. I don't need a big team of, you know, people blessing off on approval. I can just write whatever I want to let the story unfold. And it's worked out pretty well for me so far. Yeah, you be the judge. I, you haven't read the book yet, but uh, will, yeah, maybe man. you'll be like, this is trash. I'm going to throw it in the, in the bin, delete this now, podcast. I love, it doesn't matter if it's trash or not, which I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I've actually read any really trash books. Uh, a couple here and there, but none of them are on my shelves. Um, so that's a good thing, you know, but there are like, it just I love this genre. I love this generation of writers. I love the post 9-11 writing that came out. Because, you know, me growing up, I, I loved – I was a nonfiction man. I, I would just absorb every nonfiction I could, mm -hmm. counterterrorism, you know, war books, anything. And then I started – you know, my, my fiction wasn't – you know some Clancy here and there. But, you know, when you look at a Clancy book and if it's not one of the uh, – who's is the, the main protagonist who's doing like SF type um, – Jack Ryan. Seal. Not Jack oh, uh, Clark. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Clark or yep. whatever it is. John Clark, I think that's, that's someone. The Snake. Yeah, if it's not him, I don't, you know, back then it was like, eh. I, uh, I need, like, really good thrillers, something I can relate to, something that's within my, my worldly sphere, whether they have a, a touch into the intel world, into the, the soft world or law enforcement or something. So I'm really looking forward to reading this, Enemies of My Country. Let's talk about the book. What is the book about, and why should people buy it? Well, first of all, I know why they should buy it, because it's written by a veteran who's part of the new generation. So you got to buy it. There, there. There's mine. But why, why should we buy it? Um, so I'll start with you know the, the inspiration for the book. I wanted to start with just an absolute nightmare scenario, right? So what I came up with is the guy leading a double life, right? His name is David Rivers. At home, he's a loving father, newly married uh, with a young daughter, because um, I wanted to twist the kind of normal thriller convention where they don't have a family or they have a family. So the wife can die on page two and send him on this journey of vengeance, um, you know, which I love those books and they're, you know, done well very often. But I, I wanted to twist it. So, you know, his wife and daughter think he's just a private military contractor, but he's actually a CIA contractor um, leading a small team for a targeted killing program. Uh, and he's on the other side of the world, discovers, you know, in the course of um, being on the objective and executing a target with his team, he discovers that there's a terrorist plot that's going to occur in four days, imminent attack, the target's in his hometown, his wife and daughter are mentioned by name. So I started with that and then built the entire story out of that premise. Um, and if that uh, doesn't, you know, if that doesn't sound like your thing to read, don't, don't buy the book. Okay. But that's... That's what it grew out of. Um, and this is my 10th book. I think it's undoubtedly my best one yet. And I'm actually feverishly trying to wrap up my manuscript for the sequel before uh, I have a new baby due any day now. So we'll see how that goes. That sounds like it. Like, you know, you 
once he started talking about like the family and targeted family, I'm like, boom, I'm in. You know, I love books like that. I love where there's like a personal stake, and it's not just you know, because sometimes you have a protagonist you really like him, but if he dies, that sucks. But like when they're going after his family, and he's doing everything he can to get to them, to protect them, and you know, kill the bad guys, and everything in between, because you know, just as well as I, it's not just easy. He's going calling up saying, "Hey, babe, time to go." It's like, hey, I gotta get there. I gotta find out who these guys are because if I don't stop them. They're going to do it another time, another place where I'm not ready to do it. So. Right. Yeah. And I, I was one of those guys I started writing, you know, before I had a kid um, and wrote for my first few books with, you know, a hero with no family who's able to do whatever he wants. And then once I had a daughter, um, I just I lost my ability to kind of write this, you know, wandering paladin type figure and uh, wanted to really get the family investment. Cause you know, at that point, you know what it's like to have, you know, a family at home and you can't divorce that from your professional life ever. Let's talk about the protagonist. And I love that word, man. The protagonist, yeah. <laughs> um, the hero for everybody out there. That's the hero or the main character as Jack Carwood drilled into my head. Um, let's talk about him. What is his, you know, we know he's a family man. We know he's a CIA operator. What's his, his backstory. So his backstory was um, kind of similar to mine, not because this was a great thought out writing plan, because when I was starting out writing, I just wrote what I knew. Um, I had no experience writing, no creative writing, you know, education to speak of and wasn't even a big reader. So I was at West Point at the time. I was a former ranger with a couple deployments. So I wrote that dude. He was a, you know, he was in 75th Ranger Regiment, did a trip to Afghanistan, did invasion of Iraq. Uh, find himself at West Point is like I was at the time, heavily engaged in adrenaline sports, you know, skydiving, base jumping, and then has his whole career thrown off track, uh, discharged from the military. And the first series I wrote, uh, first book, um, was the same character where, you know, he, he kind of gets kicked out of the military on medical terms and then falls in with a, um, a paramilitary organization that serves like a transnational crime syndicate. So my first series was the American Mercenary series, and the first book introduces this character. Uh, and then over the course of those six books, he kind of meets almost one per book of the guys who will end up being on his, uh, his CIA team for this uh, targeted killing program. And then that series kind of guides him into this next storyline. So The Enemies of My Country is actually um, it's my 10th book. It's my 7th book with David Rivers, and it starts a new series called the uh, Shadow Strike series that follows this this team all around the world as they kind of uncover a, um, a global conspiracy. Okay. I'm hooked now, man. And now I'm going to have to go backtrack. I can't just read enemies of my country. Everybody <laughs> else, like, you can read you that, but Hey, you know what? Um, one thing I'm really David rivers, um, Jack Carr has James Reese. These names, they like catch you when you built, let's say you're, you know, you're, you're writing this book, first series, first book. Um, you're not a pro writer yet. How do you come up with a name or your character? Okay, it's going to be a really bad story for me, but <laughs> I it was absurdly simple. Like I just had a good friend named David. Um, and I was like, well, there's the first name in the bag. We're halfway there. And then I just kind of looked at my bookshelf one day, and my, my favorite book is called The Five Fingers by Gail Rivers um, and James Hudson. It's, a, it's like a old-school paperback Vietnam fiction novel about these special forces guys behind enemy lines. And I got it for like 50 cents at a library book sale when I was in high school. Um, and I just plucked that last name. It was about 10 seconds of thought process. And I was like, maybe I'll change it later. And then I never did. So here we are. 
Well, let's see if I could do this. David Rivers coming to a store near you. I mean, I love, like, words that roll off. And having a good protagonist name is like, you know, when they're killing the bad guy, you're like, yeah, you know, it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, you can't get tired of saying it. No. Um, let's jump into the writing thing. Because like you said before, you weren't a professional writer. You never really planned on being a writer. I think a lot of us are like that. We never plan on writing. And then one day you're like, huh, you know, this is another outlet. This is another way to kind of like, you know, just get through it and put some good stuff on paper. Maybe someone yeah. will buy it. Maybe it'll be really cool. Maybe I'll do it for myself. What is the first step you took to become a professional writer? I mean, everybody could draft some, you know, cliche crap and throw it on Instagram or somewhere else. But what was your first step to become a professional writer? Uh, so I had a very primitive draft of my first book done when I was in the army. I was just coming off a of platoon leader time um, and planned on staying in the army 20 years. The, you know, writing a book was just a bucket list item. And then I sent it to one of my old West Point professors. We always traded book recommendations and everything. Um, and he said, like, he read it and he's like, dude, I know a good story. I've read, you know, hundreds of books. Um, this like this pops like you've got it. And if you can write like this when you're in the military, you can be a factory when you get out. You just be a machine. Uh, and he's like, you got to like publish under a pen name or get out and do this. And at the time, it, you know, that occurred to me for the first time that that was even an option um, when he wrote me back. And then it kind of coincided with me coming off of being an infantry platoon and actually having to do staff time for the first time in my life. And I was, before I'm like, yeah, I could roll in and out of staff time to get 20 years and get the pension, man. And then when I actually did staff time and sat in an office, I was like, no, man, I, I can't, I can't do this um, for years and years. So I kind of decided then and that was in 2010. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this full time. And I actually had a few other manuscripts kicking around. None of them were any good. And then right before I got out, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna publish my first book. I got it ready to go. And I went back and read it. And I was like, this is unbearable. Like it's really bad. So I kind of tore it down, rewrote my first book from scratch right before I went on terminal leave. And then I started uh, self-publishing on Amazon. Like I did no marketing prep, no anything. Mm -hmm. uh, just literally uploaded to Amazon the night I went on terminal leave uh, from the army and hit publish. I think I did like a Facebook post to like the 10 people or whatever I was friends with on Facebook. And we're like, yep, you all want to know what I was going to do. Like, this is it. Um, and then I, for the first year, you know, I just wrote, and that was it. I didn't advertise. I didn't market. And then obviously then you hit that financial wall where you're like, okay, you can't books are not, you can't sell books like organically, right? You have to market, you have to advertise. Um, and I became friends with some really successful uh, independent authors who, helped guide me. I got into the advertising game, kept writing. Um, and then late last year, I put all my books in with a publisher and then signed for a bunch of future books um, with Seven River Publishing, which is a veteran owned. Um, all their initial employees were either military veterans or veteran spouses. Um, and they're, they're a very new publisher. They've only been around for a couple of years, but they're growing really aggressively um, and publishing great, great mystery and thriller work. So I had, and I knew the founder, he'd been one of the guys who helped me come up and taught me what to do and how to sell books. Uh, so now I just get to write full time period. Uh, and that's kind of been the best possible outcome for me. I love it, man. I'm excited for you. Now, outside of Seven Rivers Publishing, if you could sit down with any current thriller writer right now, who would you want to sit down with and pick their brain? That's yeah, a that's great a question. I know. It's a um, tough one, man. I got to throw those tough ones out there. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the top guys I'd want to sit down with is uh, Mark Greeny. 
So I really enjoy Mark Greeny's work and I've been fortunate just to hang out with him. Um, I, I like after a book signing, like gotten to have a beer with him uh, whenever he comes through town. But I would, I would like to sit down and talk with him because he's, I think, one of those rare authors, right? There's veteran authors that do it very well. Um, and he's not a military veteran, mm -hmm. which speaks to his credit because he trains heavily with firearms, goes to yeah. driving courses to be able to build those layers of authenticity into his work, uh, which I think really show in the, uh, in the finished product. Uh, yeah, and I've never had like an extended time with him to be able to like pick his brain about you know his his writing process how we structure it. and he's been keeping the gray man series going for so long without it's falling so into like man. this repetitious where you know it's some series fall off where you can tell the guy's kind of phoning it in and he's kept the quality up kept in the variation without hitting these repetitive notes uh, where it's still fresh and interesting and uh the I night know. it comes out on netflix i'm gonna be i'm gonna be parked in front of the tv watching it <laughs> So my my audible right now is <laughs> relentless. It's, like, it's up like when I'm editing, I put it on, and um, I love it, man. I'm over here. I'm like, as soon as he brought up Greeny, because I had Mark on a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Excellent guest, man. And we, that's what we were talking about. We were talking about his backstory and how he preps and how he actually goes and does the shooting. You know the different weapon systems he uses, and his website's actually good. When you go to his website for his books, the Gray Man series, you actually see the like he'll go and he'll do. Okay, we use these weapons. We did this. Yep. This is their backstory. I mean, Mark is a real. He may not be ex-military or ex this or ex that, but he really does his research. And you yep. really do. I am so vested in that character that uh, now that they're turning it into a, like a TV series, and every day they're they're adding a new actor, famous someone into it. It's it's really cool, man. So my goal right now is to get you and Mark to sit down and, and we'll do a writing concept podcast. So if anybody's <laughs> out there, um, that will be our next step is to try to get you and Mark into the same room. I know your publishers may be a little, you know, whatever. But, hey, you know what? I always tell people there is enough books to go around. Absolutely. So I get into the enemies of my country book. I could read that within a week or two. Then I pick up another book for another author, another publisher. There is just so many books. You need continuous. Absolutely. Books there. So there's enough to go around. And that's what I like about like your generation of authors, the, what I call the post 9-11 generation. And most of them really started pinging in late two, uh, 2008, 2009 with like, you know, the, the Gray Man series, uh, Brad Taylor, the Jack Carr later on. And, and everybody, Sean Parnell. Um, who else? Let me look over there. Andrews and Wilson, another two crew. Yeah. I, I love those guys. I love their their protagonists. But everybody's really kind to each other. And, you know, I haven't met one person who's like kind of a uh, beep, beep, beep to anybody else within that genre. genre. So, I mean, it's really cool, man. And I look forward to having, you know, cross-pollination with, with authors and stuff. So let's make it happen, brother. Yeah, sign me up. Yeah, it's fascinating how little ego is involved among authors. I'm continually shocked, like more so than any profession I've been involved in. There's just a lot of good people that want to help. And uh, yeah, they just they just want to support. They want to support their readers and they want to support new authors. So it's a great community. And, you know, I find it like so you and I talk about the gray man and people be like, huh, if I didn't know about that, then I'll go check it out. Um, we talk about david rivers and people are like hey you know i'm gonna check him out like you know you just have to just talk about it man and it's really cool if that makes sense that other authors will promote other authors yeah absolutely jason i know you're a busy man you're getting ready to have another baby and uh i'm gonna let you go because i think you probably need a nap 
<laughs> you got to start, you know, bottling up all this sleep time now. I'm trying um, to, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. And I look forward to having you on again. And I really, you know, as soon as the baby's here and you're, you're down and you're, you're good to go, we'll get together with Mark. We'll do a round table. And if we don't get together with Mark, we'll do someone else and we'll, We'll get a roundtable because I'm sure a lot of people want to know more about the writing process and how they too can become a professional writer. Yeah, let me know. I'll be there. Thanks, brother.